2: This podcast is brought to you by mybookie.ag the promo code is ham and then the number 1 ham and the numeral 1 at mybookie.ag it's ease.com and easewellness.com with the promo code ham our conversation with Kyle Shanahan is from 1045 and 680 that's can be our 1045 and 680 the sports leader guy right here's Kyle Shanahan oh how does christmas on a uh, game week go for a head football coach
3: it was a- it was actually perfect this week because we we played on a saturday which it stunk for last week because you got to get ready in six days, but it gave us eight days this week. And we got eight days, and Seattle has seven. So it was perfect to get to come in. We came in on Sunday so we could start everything and treat Sunday as a Monday. And then basically we acted like yesterday didn't count. So um, we gave everyone the day off. Everyone was t- able to spend time with their family. And I think Seattle did also. So I can look at it as so they only got six days in this week, and we got seven. You guys weigh everyone today? No food comas or anything? No food comas. We, we definitely, they got a threat of a big fine system. They all know <laughs> not to go eat too much. And it's actually pretty easy right now. I mean, when you're playing for the, um, the NFC West and for home field advantage and everything, this is a... It's a week where you don't have to motivate. You don't have to sit there and tell them how big it is. It's you can tell when you right when you talk in a meeting, the way they're looking at you and the stuff. They they know that our opportunity is now, and these guys can't wait for Sunday. Well,
0: one thing I've been fascinated by, and I, I, I you might have talked about it this week, but typically because you play on Sunday, whoever you're going to play, you start banging out the coaches tape either you know late Sunday night or early Monday morning. You had the day off, even though you guys are in the office. at Seattle Arizona games on television. Are, do you like watching games live on TV of an opponent that you're going to play? Does that throw you off? Did you watch it, or did you just wait to watch it silent?
3: No, I, I just watch, wait to watch it silent because you can't really – all you can see is the ball when you watch it there, and you, you can't see the coverages and the fronts and things like that. So, um, I mean, I might have it on or a little bit just for some entertainment in the background just to see what the score is and stuff like that. But you're never thinking from game plan standpoint or studying and, until you get the <coughs> silent tape and the different film angles.
2: Cal, I'm curious just about your process leading up. Like I heard you say when you're on on this show with the guys a couple of weeks ago, that that Monday and Tuesday you're always. I think you, the way you put it, like you're scared to fail on Monday, Tuesday, and then you put in the work and you go through your process. And I remember hearing you with Papa on a pregame show this year, early in the season, say that you write out the first 20 plays on the in the locker room just for the guys because it helps settle them down. Ten plays, ten runs, make everybody feel like they're going to be part of the thing. But what's your, just like, what's your Monday, your Tuesday, the Wednesday process that just gets you comfortable for Sunday? What are the things that you, you go through just to get yourself settled in?
3: Um, I mean, mine, it, I feel, I feel a lot better usually once the, we get the whole first and second down game plan done, which is usually late, um, Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Cause Monday and Tuesday, you know, Monday we'll review the game from the day before and things like that with the players. But as soon as we can get the players out of here, everything we do until, um, Wednesday at 7.45 is about putting in the game plan. Um, So you just watch a ton of tape. You watch watch a bunch of games. And then when I'm done with the games, and then I kind of sort everything up and break it down into personnel, how they defend, you know, Two two running backs or a fullback in the game, two tight ends, three receivers. Then you break it up into coverages, fronts, blitzes. Uh, you just try to put everything together and know exactly what they do in situations. And you put in a plan uh, that you want to attack that stuff. And that's all we do really Monday and Tuesday while the players aren't here. And when they come in Wednesday, we teach it to them and we spend all Wednesday teaching it, and when they leave Wednesday, that night, we'll we'll do the third down plans, and the short yardage, and the goal line, and then they'll come in the next day, and we'll teach that, and then Friday, Thursday night, we'll put in the red zone, like tonight, when I'm, we just finished with the players, so for the rest of the night, we're going to be doing red zone here um, to finish up, um, and some two-minute stuff, and then when we're done with that, we'll teach that tomorrow, and so you you get all the stuff in, and Um, You know it for yourself, which makes you feel better when you think you have a good plan. And then that's why you practice and teach. And then you feel even better by Friday, usually, because you feel you've taught the plan. You feel the players understand it. And then by the time you do your Saturday, you know, Saturday is when I sit at home and do the openers. I do an opening 24 plays, and I show it to the guys Saturday night, 12 runs, 12 passes. And um, that's when I feel it calms them down a little bit. And then by Sunday, it's just... Can't wait to go. You just been, you know, and that's where I say on Monday and Tuesday I always don't feel like that because I just turn on a tape. Usually a defense or an offense looks real good. Don't know how we're going to attack it yet. And but as the week goes, you start to see the holes and you feel confident with your plan. Would you say it's
0: more complicated when you're facing a team for the second time, in the sense that like when you play the Saints or the Ravens, it's a one-off game. Hopefully you play them again down the road. But with a division opponent, you can go back. You know that game earlier with Seattle or just with the Rams, and you look back what you could have done again the first time, what you did well, can you overthink it, or do you find it easier when you're fa- facing them a second time?
3: I mean, I, I personally find it easier when you're facing the team the second time because when you go in, I mean, you watch everything they do, so you know all the stuff that they put on tape, and you got a plan for all that, and, but you don't know how they see you yet. And you always try to guess it and guess what direction they're going to go, and then you have your adjustments after you see that. Um, once you play them, then you know exactly how they saw you and so you can you know how they saw you you know whether they had success um, or not or at least whether they thought they did and then it makes it a little bit easier to anticipate what they're going to go with next and as soon as they do it you already have that plan and you can see it so i always enjoy a second time but you're definitely right um, there's a lot of times you can overthink something you can think that they're going to think something was good and um, when you go into the game anticipating it because you've been thinking about it all week and um, you just had too much time to think about it because they didn't see it at all that way and um, you got to quit changing that and accept that early in the game.
0: What about a situation like this week when clearly they've lost a ton of players the last feels like seven days, ten days, whatever? Uh, how do you approach some of these unknowns? Not just the clowny health, but now Marshawn coming back, unknown left tackle, just the rookie running back that's played a little bit the last couple of weeks. Like who's going to be doing what?
3: Yeah, that's, and yeah, always with injuries, and we look into that every week and how much it'll affect people. But um, I look at the injuries that they've had, and I, I mean, to me, nothing's going to change. I mean, their they're t- they're left tackle's out, which he was out last week, and you can't change your entire game plan up when you're missing a 1 0 lineman. You might help them more in protections, but that's about all you can do. And then when you change your running backs, I mean, you don't, you don't bring in running backs just to run a whole new offense. You know, you bring in guys to plug in to do exactly what you were doing before. So they brought guys in with bodies and size. That are exactly similar to what they've had, and they'll keep doing the same thing. It's just different names on the on the jersey. Now, when a quarterback's missing or something like that, or um, if you do end up changing a center of someone that you go from one guy who cannot do something to a to another guy, you know things like that. You know, a certain pass rusher and stuff. Um, that stuff can affect a game plan. But to me, what they're missing um, are definitely some good players. Um, but it's not going to change what they do.
2: You called the game in the locker room talking to your players. As cool as a win can get, you gave everybody a game ball. Obviously, what happened with C.J. Beathard's brother is part of that backdrop. What was it like just standing in that locker room, having spent, as you told the guys, an hour with C.J. previously, winning the football game, and then addressing the team?
3: Um, it was, I mean, it was a, it was, uh, there were so many things that came together. I mean, just the way that we won that game and just this two third and sixteens, which you don't, Totally expect to pick up um, how big of a game it was, what it's leading to this week, and um, and then just what we had gone through the night before with CJ, and it was something I was a little stressed out about before the game because it was a night game, and I um, mean you know, I think people know what I went through the night before with CJ, but you know I didn't talk to the team about it all day, and that was I was struggling with that because it's, it's just something that I feel you you. When something is bothering your whole team, you should address it. Um, But when everyone gets to the stadium at different times and social media, everyone knows about it anyways. And some guys are in the training room. Some guys are out on the field stretching. Some guys are in their locker. It's it's hard when you have a routine just to call everyone in just to kind of say what everyone already knows. And so that was kind of I was kind of stressing about what to do. So I just talked to a number of guys. They all knew about it. Um, I I told a couple guys, you know, what I'd been through with CJ the night before, and everyone knew that everyone was dealing with the same thing, and um, with the help of some guys, they they told me, hey, just wait till after, we're we're all right, so I did wait till after, and I was going to say all that stuff after, Um, but the way that it finished, the way we were able to win, um, and to immediately just think of CJ, tell those guys that stuff, because you know, CJ, I did spend a lot of time with them, and um, and most of it wasn't talking, because of how sad it was, there wasn't much to say, and but the only thing he did say to me when I left was just, "Hey, you tell the guys make sure they get a win. Like, make sure you guys win this game." And I did not want to tell the guys that before the game because it, to me, it's an, it's just an insult to what happened because what happened is so much bigger than that game. So I didn't want to say that at all. Um, but then after we won, to be able to tell the guys that CJ said that because our guys know CJ very well, who he is and what he's about. They care about him a lot. So when it, when I told him that, they know that CJ did say that and they know how much he meant it and I know how much uh, how sad our guys were for CJ but I know how happy our guys were that they could at least do something that CJ asked for.
2: I you know after you spoke Richard Sherman spoke and then you guys had a hug afterwards. John and I we, we were talking the other day cuz we remember coming out Richard's first mini camp before he could really be on the field he was still running around out there yelling at guys coaching guys up. As a first year head coach what does it meant to have Richard in part for situations like you encountered this weekend,
3: uh, it's been great. I mean, anytime you got a, a a smart guy who can you know articulate himself, who's passionate, um, who's not scared to tell people what is on his mind, and he tries to do things the right way. And on top of it, you know, he's one of the best corners who's played this game over the last decade. Um, he's won a Super Bowl. Um, he's been a. a a number of Pro Bowls. Um, I mean, when you have a guy who plays that way and has the respect of the guys, and then um, leads it leads that way by an example, and talks to the team and addresses things like that, I mean that goes a long way. I mean, not every what you don't want to do is bring in guys and ask them to act like that. That's that has to be who you are, and that is who Richard is. That's why. Probably not many people like liked him when you weren't on his team, because um, you heard him talk too much and things like that. But um, when he when he is on your team, you know he's talking for a reason. You know that's who he is every single day, and that you know you believe in him, and you know he believes in you, and he's trying to get the most out of people. And I think that's what makes him a very good natural leader.
0: You know, I remember when the story broke, like TMZ style. Kyle and his wife are at dinner with Richard and his wife somewhere in the South Bay, and then I think by the next day or two days later, he signed. And that was a long time ago. Now, a couple of years. Did you, when you signed him, envision? I mean, what he's been this year—arguably one of the best corners, if not the best corner in the league—and just what he's meant. I think I would imagine you knew what he was bringing intangibly, but just tangibly, how big, how good he's been. Because Guy and I have talked over the last year. If if the NFL knew he was going to be this good, can you imagine the offers? Because I remember it was just Detroit, I think, that kind of called him last minute, and Schneider. You know, told Richard to call him, but it kind of felt like they were ready to part ways. Is it safe to say it couldn't have gone much smoother than it's gone?
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, this is what we hoped for, you know. But this has kind of been a best case scenario, and. You know, I mean, Rich and Richard had some horrible um, injuries to deal with, and that's why it was a risk for him and for us, you know, at the time. And I think that was for everybody in the league at that time. That's why, you know, he we, it was, we thought it was going to be really hard to get something done right away. And, you know, none of us knew Richard either, and that's what was so cool about going out to dinner with him and um, Ashley that night, you know. That was the first night I had met him, and my wife and I went and got to hang out with I think we ended up staying at dinner for like three to four hours. Um, but I didn't, I, and I always tell him this day, I, I didn't like him that much going in because, you know, he's talked so bad to <laughs> teams to, my, to me, to, to, to players I was with. To, I've always been the guy going against him, trying to get him. Um, so he was always irritating me more than anything and um, then to go to dinner with him and to really see who he is and what he's like and, I mean, we had as much fun as um, we, we could have. I mean, he was extremely real, um, said everything how, how you guys would expect and uh, you knew what type of guy he was from just one dinner, um, especially watching the way he played his whole career and I was just hoping he could get healthy and uh, he wasn't the most healthy his first year here um, but I earned more, he earned more respect for me just the fact that he wasn't healthy and he still went out there every week didn't care that people were going to say hey you don't look the same he just he went out and tried to compete and do whatever he could to help us win and I know last year was tough on him because uh, he was we were here he was here and we only won four games and um, that's hard on everyone but Take a guy who's never been on a team that's lost before. You know Seattle had been winning since his first year there um, to his last, so I, I know that was tough for him, uh, but he stuck with us. We stuck with him, and it's paid off this year.
0: you worry at all about just with him specifically, the hype surrounding this game, the return, what's on the line, or is he such a pro and just established and the way he goes about it, you don't even think about it?
3: Well, I mean, I know, I mean, Sherm's a pro, so I mean, I think he's pretty, I think Sherm has a very good idea of what he does, what he says, Um, so I don't worry too much about that. I know that there's times, especially during games, that he gets his his mindset to a level that um, he is going to... Go pretty hard on whatever happens and that's why i know to stay away away from him in some of those situations but um that's he knows how to get himself ready for a game and how to get himself up for a game and that's why he plays as physical as he does that's why he gets after that's why he's able to play through a lot of injuries um but you know throughout the week you know and i trust him and how he's going to handle himself and i feel he knows the right things to
2: say kyle what are the things he would say to you when you were not on his team
3: (laughs) Uh, just telling me how much trash I was and everyone else and how <laughs> how we couldn't beat him and to quit challenging them, and and then I would say it right back to him them we were coming at him and, and it, was, it was it was fun. I remember the first time I tried to say something to him i didn't know who he was he was a rookie, and he he didn't hear me and i'm glad he didn't because i didn't know who I was saying it to at the time and <laughs> it, i didn't like i don't like a lot of attention drawn to me, especially as a coach on the sidelines um especially as a as a coordinator and I bet if he would have heard me no insurance me would have stopped and there would have been a big deal and um, I was I've r- quickly realized at the end of the year like all right that's a guy I probably shouldn't have talked to during the game.
2: Tell Julio Julio, I need you today <laughs> <laughs> right
3: uh, the problem was this was when I was at Washington oh. so I, I didn't I didn't have as much back come on than, Pierre. Than I did with Julio <laughs>
0: uh, it's kind of a geeky football question, but Daniel Brunskill. You've been in the league a long time. I don't remember a midseason signing. Now the AAF hasn't was only around for you know six weeks or whatever. So, but an AAF guy coming in midseason, he's going to finish the season as a starter. But at guard, he started at played right tackle. You put him in at left tackle in a game. It's got to be one of the better stories. I mean, in your career, do you ever remember a situation like this on a team that was good too? It's I think it's unheard of.
3: No, he's been great. I mean just uh it's been a long it's been a long road for him this year, just um you know, I remember in in OTAs he I just called him by his number um just cuz he was the new guy from the AAF and we had 90 people and I'm not the best with names um so it was uh, he was just number 60 or 61 for a while and then he made so many plays and looked so consistent you eventually started to put together like hey this this guy's actually got a chance and then you see him in the preseason games and he just gets better and better and then all right well he's been doing all right at tackle let's throw him in at guard he did good there let's throw him in at center let's see how he did and he I mean he did center in the preseason which he had never done before so you got to find guys like that i mean that's that's what this league's about. I mean, when guys get hurt, um, do you, what is your um, scouting department? What are the guys that you're working with? Whether it's practice squad or the last guys on the roster, because those people don't realize how important those guys are. Guys, um, and we've had that a lot this year. I mean, guys like Ross Dwelly. I mean, Ross Dwelly had one play last week, and it was a 40-yard seam, and but he had a ton of plays three weeks before that because he came in and played for Juice, who's the best fullback in the league, and. Um, Juice got hurt, and we, Ross Dwelley came in and played fullback for us for about three weeks and played it at a high level. Uh, he was able to replace Kittle for a little bit and not do what Kittle does, but um, help us win some games. So uh, you got that at a number of positions. I mean, you look at um, Emmanuel Mosley, who's coming in this year, um, you know, being a, a – I mean, he was an undrafted free agent, too. So you got all these guys who um, really work, and you never know when they're going to get their opportunity, but – if you don't have people like that in this league, it's, it's very hard to go on championship-type runs.
0: You know, it sucks losing in the NFL. I mean, it sucks losing anything in life. But those first two years were really tough, and we could see it on your face and just the losses and the injuries. Do you feel – obviously you had a lot of success as a coordinator, but this year validated you as a coach, or did you always feel you were on the right direction and didn't necessarily need a 13-3 and 3 or a 12-4 or whatever season uh, on your I, resume?
3: I decided a long time ago, not a long time ago, probably within the last seven years, that um, I, I tried to – I don't try I don't want to sound the wrong way, but I, I tried to decide a long time ago through some of my experiences and working with people and just make a decision that I believe I'm a good coach and then I was okay with it. And then so I made that decision, and then you just try to do the best you can. And some days you're going to do good, some days you're going to do bad, just like players. But the main thing I don't want to do is – listen to the radio or listen to talk shows and podcasts. To, uh, yeah. Podcasts, whatever it is. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be, pe- I don't want people to make me feel like I'm a good, really good, or I don't want people to make me feel like I'm really bad. I I'm, I want to feel what I think I am. And I feel like if you do that, you do things the right way. Like if you get so worried about trying to validate yourself as a coach, and when then when you do good, your ego's going to get too high, and you're going to think something bigger than you. It's, it's not about that. You, you're either good or you're not, and you just work as hard as you can. And, I mean, there's a lot of variables out there. You try to call good plays. You try to put players in position. And, um, you you know, there's going to be one team that's happy at the end of this year. And uh, you better work your tail off and be happy with yourself, and you better have thick skin and be able to deal with whatever someone says about you. So no chance
0: we get a you like that after a win on Sunday on the line? No, longout? probably not. <laughs> yeah, that,
3: Don't
2: eat the rat poison. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you you get some buildups and you want to get some people back, if you've been listening to some people crush you for a while, but I feel I'm a little battle-tested with that, and I've had my times where some of that stuff bothered me, but um, I feel like I've gotten over that for the most part throughout my career, and I'm just pumped out. You know, everyone, and we did have to go through a lot of losing here these first couple years, but a lot of that we expected, too. You know, we knew the situation we are getting in. You never expect, um, I always expect to win more games than we did, and you always end up putting a team together, which as a coach and stuff, you still think you have a chance every week, but we had a good idea coming here that it was going to be tough to build this the right way, and I was just, I can't say more, that to be in a situation where you can lose nine or eight games in a row to start it out, you can go 4-12 and your second year, And I was just in a building where I never had someone come down to me like, hey, you got to make this change. You got to make this change. It was, hey, this is what we talked about and we knew it was going to be tough. Um, Let's just keep going with the process and just people have confidence in what we're doing. And it's paying off a little bit this year and got to make sure that continues.
2: Kyle, we're looking forward to it on uh, Sunday. We appreciate your time. It's great to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Kyle. All right, guys. Thanks. Merry Christmas.